Good morning, Trinity. It's a pleasure to see you. It's a pleasure to be worshiping with you here in person and at home. Today we're looking at Matthew 5, 8. Dan's going to talk to us about that. It's a simple sentence with a lot behind it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We talked about this a little bit, just a touch last week. I may have even made this reference, but my daughter and I, we just finished one of the books in the Narnia series. The print, uh, what is it? The Magician's Nephew, right? And in it, we were introduced to this little boy named Diggory and Diggory's uncle, Andrew, who's a miserable person. They're everywhere. You probably know them. Sometimes it's me. And when Diggory and Uncle Andrew come face to face with Aslan, the creator lion who sings all things into existence, Uncle Andrew freaks out and he runs and he hides. And little Diggory asks Aslan, he goes, what's, like, what's his deal? Why is he behaving like this? Can't he hear the beautiful song? And Aslan says, he's told himself there's no music, only dumb beasts. And the more he desires to hear that, the more he will hear it. That Uncle Andrew had, by deciding that Aslan, this beautiful creator lion, that by deciding he was bad, he was able to transform his sight so that in his eyes, Aslan did become bad. Never mind that all of creation rejoiced. Uncle Andrew had decided to see him as evil, and he was. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So this morning, that's why we gather. We gather to see the Lord. We gather to hear from the Lord. We gather to exalt you, O God. And so this is our call to worship this morning. Church, come. And to the pure, all things are pure. Come and with a pure heart, look. Look for God this morning. And he will be found. If you'd stand with us this morning. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. Think on this. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup. 
complicated refrain. It's not heavy or deep. It's just simple. It's just us calling out for God. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I'm melting your peace. It's overwhelming. It's one more time the more I seek you the more I find you we want to find you God the more I find you we know you're not hiding either the more I love you.
rocks. Where do we go? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It laid out the trail very clearly yeah. in the midst of boulders. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's actually very appropriate for the time of life that we're living in right now. It feels like we're facing a a field of boulders and not really sure what the direction is, but because God has been faithful to us, uh, we can we, we can move forward with confidence because we know he's already got that path plotted out. He's already got those oh, cairns yeah. there. We just got to look for him. Yeah, definitely. So I, I was very encouraged when you shared that with me on Sunday and uh, appreciated you sharing that. That's why I wanted the church to hear it too, because uh, it's something we need to learn to share with one another and encourage one another because we are called to walk in faith together to not just love God, but love one another. And that happens in community. That happens when we, yeah. when we're able to gather together. So thank you for that, yeah. Janice. You're welcome. Church, thank you. Thank you for, for uh, being there on Sunday. If you were able to join us, uh, for those of you who don't, uh, or weren't there, find someone who was and uh, ask them about how the meeting went. It, it was adventurous. Uh, we had some, some uh, fun times figuring out how to do this over zoom and in person, but we did it. And we should be proud of that. Yeah. So you know what, Janice, let me pray for the church just as, sure. we, as we think about this whole idea of, of pursuing God's path for us forward. Sure. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your church. I thank you that you have not called us to walk through this life alone, that you are with us, walking with us, guiding us. But you also give us a group of people, a group of your children to journey with as well. Lord, uh, I pray that we would see those places in our lives where you have so clearly acted and where we can look back and find confidence in your care and your protection, and your, your um, guidance in our lives. Lord, we ask for clarity from you for the future of our church, that as we seek to build the next generation of the church, to, to, to build up a church with the next generation in mind, um, that you would be the one who's guiding us to do that that we would seek your will, that we would honor you in everything, that we would glorify you so that when the world sees the people that gather at Trinity Baptist Church, they would see a people who are Christ-like. They would see those who are loving and patient, who are poor in spirit, who are merciful, who are humble, mm. those, who are, uh, th those who are pure in heart. And so, Lord, we thank you. We pray you would be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Janice. Thank you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God.
It's so appropriate that Nora would be the one who read that verse, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thank you, Nora, for leading us in worship this morning and leading us in the reading of God's word. Great job. Thank you for that. And thank you, Eliza and Henry and Nathan and Gabriel, Joshua and Isaiah and sort of Doug, right? He was kind of, he was the one that was being uh, in a, held in a grapple hold. But uh, again, it's such a joy to have the word of God read for us, but even more so by those who can be an example for us of the pure in heart, uh, those who are merciful, those who are seeking after the Lord. And so uh, what a gift that is. Uh, this morning, we're going to be tackling this idea of purity. And this idea of purity is something that actually everyone in the entire world wrestles with, right? On some level, we all wrestle with this idea of purity. Now, I think people have different understandings of what purity is. We, we live in a world that has come to define purity based on what their, what their view of the world is, how the world operates, where the world comes from, and who, who defines what the world is. So what is pure is defined by what we believe. To be clear, Jesus tells his followers, he doesn't tell his followers, blessed are those who are pure in mind and pure in thought. He doesn't say, blessed are my followers who are pure in intentions or pure in morals. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. I think Jesus is making a point in not just focusing in on this idea of purity, but in challenging us to think about the, the, the space in which he calls us to a place of purity, uh, purity in heart. Now, this is one of the issues that Jesus dealt with in the Bible and, and, and that we still deal with today. It's that we believe that if we dress up the outer person, if we're able to craft what our world looks like on the outside, what our lives look like on the outside, what our families look like on the outside, well, then that's going to be enough. That, 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 then that's reaching God's standard for purity. In other words, if I act the part, it doesn't really matter what's going on inside my heart. It doesn't matter what the condition of my heart is, but, but that's just living a lie. The person on the inside of our heart it, it ends up being different from the person that the world around us sees. And this is not Jesus' idea of purity. But this, again, it's not a new concept. When we think of Jesus' ministry, we think of the people that he went head-to-head with, the, the, the religious leaders, those who knew all about the Scriptures. And Jesus confronts them, right? He, he calls them out for their hypocrisy numerous times. My, my favorite passage, not because I really like the passage, but I, I love the idea that it draws me to think on, is when he confronts them and calls the religious leaders uh, whitewashed tombs that look so beautiful on the outside, but inside are filled with bones and death. See, living as one person on the outside and being a very different person in the privacy and the confines of our soul, in the, the, the privacy of our heart, is not the purity that Jesus longs for for his people. See, the purity that, of heart that Jesus is talking about is one of, of continuity, of one where we come to know who we truly are as God intended in the depth of our soul, and it's that person who the world sees. 
I think that's a challenge in the day and age we're living in. So I realize that these are not simple words that we're looking at this morning. But I think that's the, that's the picture of what Jesus longs for for his people. To be consistent uh, with, on the outside with who we are on the inside. Now this is not a, a call to a, a selfish spirituality. It's not a call to, uh, to reconsider how the world is operating, that the world revolves around me. But like John Calvin challenged his listeners to think about, we come to know God more as we also come to know ourselves. Right? There's, there's a reality, there's an aspect of our faith that, that we benefit from when we understand who we are in the depth of our soul, the people that God created. Because when we come to, to a place of knowledge of that and confidence in that. When we understand who that truly is, we can live more confidently in the world out there. And so this morning, I, I, I want to challenge us to, to think about this idea of purity of heart. Now, to be pure in heart, I believe, is a little bit like gold. Now, from what I understand, I, I don't have much experience handling or uh, interacting with gold. Maybe, no, not someday. But uh, the pure in heart looks like this, uh, the, the idea that when we think about gold, we think about gold, right? You think about value, you think about money. But I didn't really know this until this past week. Do you know that there's different levels of purity of gold? I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I, I, I didn't know that. But there's such a thing as, as 24 karat gold. Now, Again, from what I understand, 24 karat gold is pure gold, 100% gold. It's more valuable, right? That means that 24 of the ingredients, the metals, are all gold. It's all gold, right? But then there are other levels of gold. There's 18 karat gold, right? That's just one example. There's, I think there's 16 karat gold, 14, 12, whatever. But the idea is that if you're holding a piece of 18 karat gold, 18 of the 24 pieces of metal or alloy that's, that's in gold is pure gold. And then six are not. Six are made up of something else. Uh, other alloys that, that uh, go into gold. It's not pure gold, right? It, it's gold and then some. Or gold or something that's foreign to that gold, and so this morning, I hope you have the courage to, to examine your hearts. I'm not going to tell you to turn to your neighbor. I mean, you could if you really want to have fun, but I'm not going to tell you to do that. At home, I'm not going to tell you to type it in the chat or anything like that. But I want you to examine your heart. Does, is your heart made up of pure gold? Or is it possible that you've, you've kind of let some of the world's fillers fill your heart? So I think that the religious leaders are a good example of, of leaders who have taken that purity and, and added some, added some tradition, added some, some, some pride in their title and their position, uh, added some authority that they lived in knowledge of. The Jewish leaders wanted power. They wanted to be acknowledged and they wanted to be respected for their title, right? They wanted to be praised and so they compromised what made up their hearts. Is that what we're doing? Do we do that for the sake of, of acceptance or, or our appearance? I know I'm tempted to let people see the, the good side of my soul, but then keep the, 
the bad stuff, not, not just keep it hidden, but like pretend it's not even there, right? I know I'm tempted to. Are, are you? Are, are you an 18-carat Christian or, or are you a 24-carat Christian, a pure follower of Christ, someone who finds their entire identity, their security, their hope, their provision in following after Jesus in faith? Well, it's a big question. Again, I, I'm gonna, I just want you to think on that today as we walk through uh, exploring Matthew 5, 8 together. But be, so before we kind of come back to that question, let's, let's take a closer look then at what Jesus means by blessed are those who are pure in heart. Now, as we kind of alluded to, mankind has a tendency to evaluate a person based on what's, the, uh, on what's on the outside, right? We come to conclusions about a person based on the color of their skin or the sound of their voice. We, we think differently about someone because of the credentials that follow their name. We we, we think differently about them because of the title they hold in an organization. At least when I was growing up in high school, there were different groups of students that kind of gather around the music that they listened to or the style of clothes that they wore. I think I was, a, I, I think I was kind of a mishmash of those. I wore like boot-cut pants that flared out and listened to music that probably didn't fit the, the popular uh, music of the time. But, but regardless... That's probably why I didn't fit into one of those groups, because I wasn't purely this or purely that. I was kind of a mash. But, but, but the point is, we have these groups where we, we, we come to conclusions about someone based on what we see of their life from the outside. As a culture, we actually encourage this. We celebrate it. We, we encourage one another to live a lie, to, to let people think that we're okay, but inside we're filled with death and despair, shame and guilt. So oftentimes the reality of what's in our hearts is very dark and messy, and, and we fear the rejection of others and the rejection of God, if anyone were to know what's hidden in here. So we, we set about building this beautiful house on the outside, well-manicured lawns, fences around the yard, beautiful flowers growing in the garden. But then if someone were to step over the threshold of your front door, it's like a tornado blew through there, and there's just everything everywhere, food rotting underneath the, the, the uh, couch or uh, smells that you can't identify. It's messy in there, right? And so we're, we're thinking, yeah, I'll have guests over and let them hang out outside my house, but there's no way they're coming in. Many of us walk around carrying these deep wounds. It's not just a matter of our own sin in, towards, uh, towards other people or towards God. It's sin that's been committed toward us. And we're ashamed of it. We're ashamed that we let this happen. We, we're, we're ashamed that it happened in our lives. And so the best way, the easiest way that we believe there is to deal with it is to, 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 to pack it down deep in our heart and our soul and let no one know about it. You know, you never know what's going on in someone's heart because they've got a, a great sense of humor. You'd never know how badly we need others in our lives because we hide our loneliness under a layer of serving others. You'd never know how skeptical or untrusting a person actually is because they keep it covered under a deep knowledge of what God's Word says. I think, but ultimately, it's not what others say about you that matters. 
What matters is what God sees in your heart, and there's no amount of dressing up your life from the outside that can keep him from what's hidden inside your heart. Now let's take a moment to pause for a second, because I think those words actually, uh, as we reflect on, can scare some of us. That no matter how much we've kept parts of our lives hidden from others, that we come to understand that it's not hidden from God. That you're lying to yourself if you think that it is. And so the reality we need to give to ourselves in this moment is a grace. A grace that says God is not ashamed of you. He loves you. And he desires you to bring all of who you are before him because his goal is for us to be pure in heart. And we're going to get to this in a minute. But he will help us in that in that endeavor. God looks upon our heart. He sees what's there. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, God says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, what's going on here is Samuel is a prophet, and, and he's been sent by God to a man named Jesse because Samuel is on a mission to anoint the next king of Israel. And so Jesse's like, all right, well, I'll bring out my oldest son. Uh, he, he's well experienced in, in, uh, in our business as a family and in, in taking care of the sheep. He's, he's strong. Look at him. This has got to be the guy you're thinking of. And Samuel consults the Lord, and no, that's not it. He's not the one. And so he passes over the oldest son, on and on and on, through seven sons until he gets to David. And, and Samuel says, Jesse, don't you have any other sons that, I can, that you can bring before me? And he says, I do have one more, but he's, he's out in the field watching over the sheep. Well, go and get him. Bring him here. And so Samuel sees David, the smallest the, the least experienced, the, the one who is yet to be trained up the way God would have him uh, be prepared for his role as the king of Israel. And, and, and God says, this is the one. From an outward appearance, he'd be the last one that we would anoint as king. But from an inward appearance, God looked upon his heart and said, this is, this is my king. This is the king who will lead my people, Israel. Man looks on the outside, but... God looks on the heart. He, he focuses in on our hearts, and he desires purity. Now, in the Old Testament, this idea of purity was, was one of emptying out. It's one of emptying out and cleaning the vessel. Now, imagine, if you will, I have this empty glass here, right? It's pristine. It's clean. It just came out of the dishwasher, right? And, and there's no smudges. Uh, it, it's, it's crystal clear and, and clean. And I'm thirsty. And so I start pouring some fresh squeezed lemonade into that glass. And it's looking good as it's filling up. You can hear the ice crackling around in the glass as the, as the lemonade pours over it. And it gets to the top, and I'm, I'm, I'm admiring it. It looks awesome. But then a fly lands in the lemonade. And, and we all know, we've all heard what flies do when they land. And so I'm, there's no way I'm drinking this now. i got to pour this out, right? And so what do I do? For clean lemonade, I pour it out. I pour it out, I clean the glass, and I begin to fill it again. And the glass fills up with lemonade, 
but then wouldn't you know it, the person next to me, let's, let's lose a huge sneeze. And they don't cover their nose like they should. There's no elbow thing or anything like that. And they sneeze all over me and they sneeze in the lemonade. And, and, and now, yeah, I'm not drinking that either. I've seen how that goes, especially in the day of, days of COVID. But, but even prior to COVID, this was true. You don't want to drink lemonade that someone else has sneezed in. So you, you pour it out, right? And you wash out the glass. And now you start with this fresh, clean glass again. And so I begin pouring it in, pour the lemonade in, and I, I fill it up. I hear the ice crackling around, the lemonade filling up. I'm getting thirstier and thirstier. And as I'm pouring, I kind of look to where the lemons are that I squeeze the lemonade. And I notice that it's not the sugar container that's open, but it's the salt container. This, this lemonade is not going to be lemonade. It's, it's filled with salt rather than sugar. It's not going to be good. And so I pour it out and, and, and empty it out and clean the glass. See, each time I try for my fresh, clean, pure lemonade, something's ruined it. Something has made it undrinkable. Something has, has tarnished it. And so it is with our hearts. Living in this world, we have to understand the reality of sin. That, that, that sin is a reality in this world. And it's it's not something that just impacts some people or some parts of our world. It's impacted the entire creation. And God's desire is to pour out our sin and fill us with pure hearts. You know, there, there's a passage in Ezekiel where God gives a promise to his people through the prophet Ezekiel, and he promises that he'll remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. That he'll empty us of our, our heart that's so characterized by sin and he'll give us a heart that is pure and clean. Your truest self, your purest self ha has been contaminated by sin and needs emptying out so that God can fill you with who you've always been. He wants to give us a heart of flesh. He wants to take our, 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 our heart, our hard, hardened hearts of stone and remove them, empty them out like I empty out a, a glass of lemonade and fill it with our, a heart of flesh that he has made pure, that, that has no fillers in it. Isn't that like a bologna or something like that? It's made with a certain number of fillers. Uh, don't answer that question, actually. No one wants to know what's actually in bologna. It's just delicious. Anyway, uh, there are a bunch of fillers in bologna, too, right? But not the heart that God gives us through Jesus Christ. That God desires to give us a heart that is pure. And it's not by our doing. It, it's not the kind of heart that we can uh, mess up and then we have to start all the way over again at the beginning. It's a different kind of heart. That, that when Jesus was poured out, when his life was poured out on the cross, when his blood was poured out on the cross, it was actually the thing, the moment where we were taken, uh, our heart of stone was taken out and, and we were given a heart of flesh. See, I think this is something that's true or available to all of us as human beings. That we can live our authentically true self as God created us but only in a life that Jesus makes available to us. See, in the Old Testament law, God made a way for his people to deal with sin. It was given to them on the Day of Atonement, a day when, when the people of Israel would come together, they, they would confess their sins, and the priests would, 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 would take care of their sins, and, and this atonement would be done. They could go off from that day knowing that their hearts were clean. 
until the next year rolled around and they had to do it again. That what happened on the Day of Atonement is there were a number of sacrifices that were made, but one uh, animal was not sacrificed. We're told in Leviticus 16 about this scapegoat. This, this, it was actually started as the escapegoat, which is where we get scapegoat from. And it's this goat in which the priest would lay his hands on the head of the goat and confess the sins of Israel. And they were emptying these sins out onto this goat. And then they'd send him out in the wilderness. They'd send their sin away. They'd get rid of it, Right? We're told in Leviticus 16, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. See, the symbolism here. It is to point the people of God to this time when there would come a sacrifice. A sacrifice who would bear the iniquities of this world. But when he took them away, they would never return. For the Israelites, they'd come back year after year. The next year came by and they had more sins to, to seek forgiveness on. But not so with Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 10, the author tells us, by that will we have been sanctified. By that will we have been made clean and pure through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The goat never does it. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for his sins, or for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Listen, I know that we wrestle to grasp this deep down in our hearts. But we live more like the Israelites where we feel that we need to confess our sins uh, on the head of the goat and, and send it out to the wilderness year after year after year. And there is benefit to confession but to understand deep in our hearts that we have been made pure for those of us who put our trust in Jesus, who believe in what he did on the cross, who say, I believe that it is true that God offers me forgiveness and righteousness because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of his one single sacrifice for all time. That there's no amount of me coming before a goat, laying my hands on him and confessing my sins that will make me more pure than that. So I think we often use that language in the church of believing in Jesus or believing in the work of Jesus or asking Jesus into our hearts. That's what this is saying here in Hebrews 10. If we believe that this is true, if we believe in what Jesus has done, then our hearts are pure. He clothes us in his righteousness. It's believing that Jesus is the true fulfillment of what the goat symbolized for the people. And because of this pure heart we've been given by Jesus, the great high priest, we can see God. We're told in in Psalm 24, this is not up on the screen, I, I uh, I didn't share that with the booth, but in Psalm 24, the psalmist David uh, prays this, 
Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who, who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. See, the reality is that the blessing we have of letting God purify our heart, of accepting that gift, of, of letting him wash our hearts, believing in that and living in that truth and in that reality that we have been made pure, that he offers us forgiveness, the blessing is that we will see God, that we'll see God's hand in our lives and one day stand face to face with him, enjoying the presence of God, with all the people of God, with the whole family. Jesus takes up residence in our lives. In our lives. He begins to shape and mold us. He reveals to us the uniqueness of how he has made us and who he's made us to be. We find our greatest purpose for our lives and our value as children of God when we accept that sacrifice that Jesus has made on our behalf. See, I think that's the beauty and the good news about believing in Jesus and becoming a child of God. It's becoming pure in heart, not by our own actions. It's not by how I dress up my life on the outside and whether or not the people around me in my circle accept me for what I've done or what I show them. It's knowing that I'm accepted in the depth of my soul because of the work of Jesus. Now, Many of us still wrestle with this idea. We, we still wrestle with the idea of becoming pure in heart by some action or achievement that we make. And that's, you know, that's typically how the law and religion works, that if I do this, I'll get that. If I try harder to obey, if I pray more, if I wake up earlier, if I read my Bible more, listen, all those things are very good. All of those things benefit us as children of God because it leads us into a place of intimacy. But, but the difference is in the position and the condition of my heart. A am I doing it for selfish gain? Am I doing it so that others around me will accept me? Am I doing it so I'll look better in the eyes of the pastor or the, the leaders in the church? Or am I doing things from a deep desire to be closer to the one who made me and who loves me and who who purifies and transforms me from the inside out. See, religious and man-empowered efforts apart from Jesus, basically they amount to building lives that are like whitewashed tombs, which look pretty on the outside, but again are filled with death and destruction on the inside. A true purity of heart is found within a community that shares a singleness of purpose. A true purity of heart is found within a community that shares a singleness of purpose of focusing on and abiding in Jesus. Matthew 6.33, in Matthew 6.33, Jesus tells his followers to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pursue Jesus. Pursue his lordship. Pursue his, his kingship. Trust him and follow him. 
But more importantly to know is what Jesus says just a few verses earlier in Matthew 6.21. He tells his listeners, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There, there, there's this idea that, that what we treasure is what we focus on, right? Have you ever noticed how focused and determined treasure hunters are? There's this show I, I watched for a little while. I haven't kept up with it, but it's on the History Channel. It's called The Mystery of Oak Island. And it, it kind of uh, follows these two brothers, right? Mark, uh, Rick and Marty Lagina. And they bought into this idea that there is a treasure buried on Oak Island, that there's enough clues that keep them searching, looking for what is buried beneath the surface of the soil. And they've, they've been at it for the last 15 years, determined that there is gold there, that there's treasure there, that they can find it if they keep following the clues. But here's what's interesting to me. The Laginas represent only 15 years of what's, ha- what's been going on on Oak Island for over 200 years. Over 200 years, there have been people searching for treasure on this island, believing in the stories and some of them fables about where the treasure is coming or whether or not the treasure is there. Men and women have been captivated by their search for treasure. They've been, uh, had tunnel vision for going after it. They've given their lives. Some, some treasure hunters have actually died in pursuit of looking for this treasure. They've given their lives to it, literally. Can this be our pursuit of Jesus? Can our pursuit of Jesus in community and, and, and our commitment, our shared commitment to his kingdom uh, be even more focused than what we see in treasure hunters? See, our, our pursuit of Jesus is one where we're purely and fully focused on the one who loves us. More specifically, it's the pursuit of Jesus through the words he declares to us, right? We, it's not just a matter of pursuing this person, it's pursuing this person who loves us and who's spoken to us and who affirms and, and shares with us this vision that he has, not just a vision that might happen, it's a vision of what will happen. Jesus told his followers in John 15, already you, you are clean, already you are pure because of the word that I have spoken to you. We want to know where we find purity. It's found in the Word of God. There's tons of examples of how God himself is the source of purity that we read about in the Bible. And so as we come to God through Jesus Christ, we can abide in him. He goes on in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. See, the, the, the purity of heart that we all long for can only be found in our relationship with Jesus. Have, have I said that enough, enough? I keep repeating myself, but it's because there's really only one thing to repeat. Our purity is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ alone. This is where uh, approaching him in faith, reading his word in faith, believing in his words in faith, and believing that they transform our lives by, and clinging to this truth is our singleness of pursuit. This is what we long for. This is what gives us purpose. This is where we find our value. It's in our shared pursuit of Jesus. Now, the passage from John 15 is where Jesus compares his relationship to his followers and the father's relationship to him, 
right? He compares himself as this vine, and we're the branches. Now, a, a branch in, in our world remains alive as long as it remains connected to the vine. And so the living work of our transformation happens as we remain connected to the vine, as we remain connected to Jesus, as we're surrounded by people who say, what, is, what would Jesus have to say about your situation? How... how how might he encourage you here? How can, we, how can we turn to God's word and be encouraged by, by what he's spoken and said? As we encourage each other as a community to remain rooted to Jesus. And then there's another thing. The health of the vine is in the expanse of its branches. If you think about it, the branches, the roots, are what gather the nutrients and bring it back to the vine. Now, here's where I think this is interesting. We are the body of Christ. We are each members of the body of Christ. We're each members of this vine. We receive life from Jesus, but we also bring life back to the body. We contribute our love, our health, our maturity to one another. We, we trust that in this shared pursuit as a community, God does a great work in sustaining one another, in, in building one another up. As his body on this earth, we need one another. We need the branches of the body to help bring more health to the, the body of Christ, to the church on this earth. In Hebrews 10 we read this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, not let me, let us draw near with a true heart, a pure heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We, we are washed. We're made whole. We receive the words of Jesus and they wash us clean. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. My purity impacts your purity of heart. Your purity of heart impacts my purity of heart. We work together in this effort of focusing on Jesus, pursuing purity of heart in Jesus. We need one another. Let us consider how to serve one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, we need one another to grow strong and healthy, to, to embrace the purity of heart that we receive, that we don't build, that we don't establish, that we don't prove or show to others, but we receive in Jesus Christ. We need to gather in groups. We need to gather in circles. I mean, this year has been a year of, of us separating from one another, but what we need in, our, in the depth of our soul is to be connected with one another 
For some of us, we, we come in here and we feel insecure. We're scared because, hey, I don't know much about the Bible or, or, or maybe I'm new to this church or new to this, this group of people and I'm afraid that I won't fit in and so I stay to the outsides, not literally of the room, but to the outsides of the circle and we're afraid to draw near. But hear me when I say this. We need to draw near to one another. Now, we can do it safely. We can do it over Zoom. We can do it by, by being you know, three feet apart, six feet apart. We can have masks on. Those are all okay in my mind. But we cannot give up being in community with one another. You know, the church needs your help. We, we have some groups that meet, but we need more. I, I, I need more, right? I long to see a healthy church where we are, we're, we're bound together. It doesn't need to be, you know, six to eight. It could be two couples. It could be three friends. It could be, you know, 12 people. It, it, it doesn't, we don't have to put it in a box and, and say this is what a small group has to be. But we need to gather together a space where we can study the word of God, where we can encourage one another, where we can dwell on what God's word has said and, and draw near to Jesus and accept the gift of the purity of heart that only he can offer us. You know, we have this tool that's available to us that Jan Hunt helps me, de- well, she develops it. I, I, it's based on the sermon. And, and, and we know that one of the um, concerns is, well, what do we study when we get together? Where do we, how do we know where to start? Here's my encouragement. If you want to gather with a few people, let me know. Reach out and let me know. Because there is a tool that we have that's based on the sermon on Sunday morning. So it's not like you have to open another text. You can, you can build off what God is doing in your heart from Sunday morning, middle of the week, whenever you want to meet, uh, and discuss questions based on our time in the Word of God. As simple as that. But it can be also be a time where you pray for one another, get to know one another, and, and actually practice what, we, what I preach or practice what we declare is true in the word of God. So we need one another. We need to stir each other up to loving good deeds. We need to help one another keep focused on keeping in step with the Holy Spirit rather than keeping in step with the Kardashians, right? This is a life that we are called to live, and it's not easy living in a world that doesn't necessarily always align with our beliefs. But there are people who do journey with you through this life. And it's the body of Christ. They too are connected to the vine. They too draw their life and their purity of heart from Jesus. And they want to walk with you. So I think true purity of heart is found in a community that shares a singleness of focus on Jesus and his word. And when we do that, we find our hearts are made clean. There's no, no need to dump out the heart we have, but, but God has made it pure in Christ. And, and now we can come to know who that person is, the person that God created, the, the person who God says, I love. This is my beloved. You know, again, I want to look back at Psalm 24 real quickly. The psalmist uh, tells us, who, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Well, it's he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, 
who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Let that be us. Let us be the generation of people who are seeking the face of God. Church, let's seek Jesus together. Let's let his word wash over us and make us clean. Let's allow him to recreate us and make our hearts pure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall shall see God. They shall ascend the holy hill of the Lord. They shall stand in his presence, and they shall see God. So as we close, I want to come back to this question that we asked in the beginning. Are you an 18-karat Christian or a 24-karat Christian? It's kind of an unfair question because I don't think any of us should raise our hand and say, I'm a 24-karat Christian, right? In essence, spiritually speaking, yeah, we have a pure heart. But at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, what are we filling our hearts with? What's the truth that we are ingesting and, and embracing and clinging to? See, the most important thing we can do is invite Jesus to draw near to our lives, to recreate us and make us new. So I want to encourage us to take a couple minutes together this morning. I know I've shared a lot of verses, kind of danced around this idea of being pure in heart and what it means and, and the challenge that is available to us. But I want to give you a few moments to start here. Start with... What's going on in your heart? When Nora read that verse, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want you to think about what what does my heart look like before God? Have I allowed him to, to make it new, to make it a heart of flesh, to make it a heart that he is molding and shaping and conforming after his I'm going to give you a couple minutes just to think on these things. And as we do, I'm going to put up uh, Psalm 51. It's the prayer of David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit.
wanna know you, Lord, like I know myself. Wanna know you, Lord. I wanna know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I wanna know you, Lord. So I'm laying it down, all of my religion. I'm laying it down, wanna know you, Lord. I'm laying it down, all of my religion. I'm laying it down, wanna know you. Jesus poured out of himself on the cross. The sins of the world that he carried to the cross that we could be made pure, pure in heart. For many of us, we carry around the marks of our past and thinking no one's going to drink of this cup because it's messed up, it's tarnished, it's, it's spoiled. But Jesus says, no, I... I want your heart. I want to take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Then my encouragement to you is not to do more, not to try harder. Receive. Receive from the Lord. Believe that God loves you and wants you to draw near to him. And he's made a way. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the, the, the hope that we find in your word, the, the encouragement, the truth that we find there. We need your good news. We need your gospel. We need Jesus' words which make us clean, that give us the truth to walk in, the truth that says that we are your beloved children, that you've made us pure, So Lord, give us hearts to receive this morning. Give us minds to receive from your hand. May we walk out from here not, uh, not heaping guilt on ourselves as we walk out the door, but just staying in that place of receiving from your hand the purity of heart that only you can give. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to be obedient to his Father that we might benefit, that we might receive, that we might become children of God. We pray this in his name. Amen. I used to think I could box you in. 
but I'm letting it down. Wanna know you, Lord? I used to think I could box you in. I'm letting it down, it down. All of my religion, I'm letting it down. Wanna know? Lord, I've been told I don't measure up, Lord, I've been told I'm not good enough, but you're here with me, yes, you're here with me, and I reach out and you find me in the dust you say no amount of untruth can separate us nothing can separate us from you God I reach out and you find me in the dust. That's good news, yes it is. You said no amount of untruth can separate us. Sing it again. I reach out and you reach out, church. You find me in the dust. Lift your hands. Reach out to God this morning. You said no amount of untruth can separate us. But I mean it. I mean it. Actually, lift your hands this morning. Lift your hands to God this morning. Put your hands in the air. This simple act, right? Getting out of your comfortable self, right? Everyone is watching. That's exactly right. You do look silly. And the gospel is foolishness. Because it says that nothing you can do can make him love you more. Can you believe that? That that's real? Nothing you can do can make him love you more. But that's not how it works down here. That's not how it works down here. Here, it's about making yourself 24 carats. But God sees us with that beauty already. And so we reach out to you, God. We reach out to you. And anything that would keep us from reaching out to you, God, that is a lie. And there is no amount of untruth that can separate us. And I reach out and you... You find me in 
the dust Lord, you said no amount of untruth can separate us I will rejoice and I will rejoice in this simple gospel I will rejoice in you Lord I will rejoice this simple gospel I will rejoice in you Hey, we should be encouraged to know God is, is working. He's, he's moving in our hearts. He's moving in our community. And, and he's calling us forward when, uh, when it feels like our world has hit you know, the air brakes and stopped immediately. We still have a purpose. And it's to move forward with the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got a message to share with others. So uh, I just want to encourage you. Seek community together. Abide in Jesus. Receive that truth from him that he has made your heart pure. What he's done is done. There's nothing more you can do but to receive. You know, one way that you can uh, just affirm that in your life and encourage and, and put you in proximity to others who can encourage you along the way is to join us. We started an adult discipleship class this morning at 8.30. It was held down the hall in the gathering hall, socially distant, masks on, microphones so people can hear. Uh, and, and if you weren't able to be in person, you could join it on Zoom. There's a chance to be together with other followers of Christ, and I'd encourage you to, to take part in that. It'll be next Sunday, again at 8.30 in the morning. You can join us. We encourage you to sign up online so we know who's coming and make sure that we stay within the appropriate numbers that we need to be. So, uh, again, join us for that. And then the last announcement I want to make for you uh, is ask you to pray. Would you pray for me, pray for the leadership of our church? Toward the end of March, we're going to be going through a, a time of discernment uh, together in an intensive weekend. We're doing some work now to prepare for that. But our whole intent is to clarify where God is specifically calling us forward as a church at Trinity. What is he calling us to do? How is he calling us to serve? We have many resources, but we don't have infinite resources here in this one local church body. And so how do we use them wisely? So would you pray for the leadership Pray for wisdom and clarity and discernment that God would lead us to that place so that as we come out of that time, we as a church can be aligned together around that purpose and move forward with the gospel. God is inviting us to seek him together. So as we close this time of worship, I want to close with Psalm 24 again to challenge us to go forth seeking the face of God. So church, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, 
who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Church, let's go forth and be that generation seeking the face of God together. Go in peace.